and homework for me was not a fun time. Um, I always remember it was just one of those things that I dreaded. Um, my mom would always get frustrated with me, She'd start yelling at me. And it, and looking back on it, it was, it wasn't abusive type of behavior. It was just her frustration. Hi, this is Liz Weaver, and you are listening to the Learning Success Podcast, an information-packed podcast with the latest news, information, and tips to help you overcome a learning difficulty. For anyone suffering from a reading difficulty, writing difficulty, a math difficulty, a focus problem, dyslexia, dyscalculia, dysgraphia, or ADHD, this is the place for you. The Learning Success Podcast is brought to you by LearningSuccessSystem.com. Hello and welcome to the Learning Success Podcast. I'm Phil Weaver and today we have Josh Roos, the hardcore behaviorist. Josh has worked as a behavior interventionist in public schools for the past 12 years. His main focus is designing inclusion behavior programs, school-wide and self-contained programs. He created hardcorebehaviorist.com to be a mentor for teachers who need help. He says that when he started, there were no mentors that helped teachers with behavior intervention, and he's here to fill that gap. Although his work is in helping teachers in the classroom, I know him to be also skilled in helping parents with behavior as well. So whether your child is having a behavior struggle or is a perfect angel in every way, I'm sure that Josh can, can help you out. Uh, hello, Josh, and welcome to the show. How are you today? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing quite well, very well. So, uh, Josh, you're you're from Austin. We just talked about. And um, how is? Uh, let's let's jump into. Um, I'm interested. How did you become a behaviorist? I, I I'm not sure that I've even. So, I, I mean, uh, no. <laughs> long story short, um, uh -huh. you know, I went to college in San Marcos at Texas State, and my biggest goal there was to become. A, uh, a coach. I wanted to coach baseball and I wanted to coach football. So I, I was in uh, some of my educational classes and we had to go volunteer time to, at the local uh, elementary schools to uh, work in some of the, the behavior inclusion programs uh, just so that we can get papers written and, and you know, work turned in for projects. So I started working in one of the elementary schools um, locally there in a behavior inclusion support program. And they were in desperate need for help. So, you know, okay. one of the biggest things that I always looked at, what they told me was, oh, you're a guy. And, and there's not a whole lot of guys working in the elementary schools. Right. And most of the, the kids that were in some of these programs are all boys. Uh, so um, every week they started calling me back into the programs. Uh, I, I started out volunteering and then I ended up becoming like a paraeducator. It's a, like a teacher assistant. And then from there, um, you know, they in, I got into being a teacher. And from there, um, you know, the growth began. It was one of those things that you think you know everything, but it takes quite a bit of years to, you know, what I, I like to call uh, falling forward. Right. Um, you know, getting trained on um, behavior interventions, 
um, seeing so many different behavior programs that come in and out of the school and really analyzing which one of those are the best programs for the schools. So, um, you know, that's kind of how I got my start um, was early into when I was in college. I just kept getting asked back because they were in such a desperate need for help in the school districts. I see. So, um, so a behavior inclusion program. That's what. What, what exactly is that in a school district? So a behavior inclusion um, or like push-in program is basically what you have is you have a caseload of students that um, have behavior supports. So basically, it's the kids are actually in the general education classroom. And what we kind of do is we, we support them throughout the day. So sometimes we have to sit down and we have to write a behavior intervention plan and train the teacher on how to provide that intervention plan within the classroom to mm -hmm. decrease some of those behaviors. Um, and then other times, you know, basically what we do is um, we are constantly uh, monitoring the kid within the classroom I like to call them like drive-bys. We'll drive by the, the classroom uh, and, and just kind of look in to see how the kid's doing. If the kid needs extra support within the classroom, we'll sit in in the classroom and help that student out. Um, if the student has um, is just getting re really frustrated, we may have to pull the student out of that classroom and then kind of bring them into um, our classroom to try to uh, calm them down and, and get them back on track for their day. So that's kind of uh, like how we run our programs here in Texas. Um, and there's a lot of data on that too. Um, you know, we have to go in and, and take data. We create behavior goals for those behavior intervention plans. And we're recording, uh, we go into the classrooms and, and record data for that so that, um, you know, each six week grading uh, pro or progress reports where we're, we're making, you know, strives to, to reach those goals that we stated in their annual um, ARD meetings throughout their years. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're doing, you know, and a big part of it is really training the teachers on using reinforcement plans in, in this uh, classroom. Um, you know, we have to sit down and, and, and train that teacher. We also have to uh, take the student out and really get a reinforcement plan going. Sometimes we're, we're looking at like what the function of that behavior is. Um, you know, teachers tend to struggle when that behavior starts escalating. It's let's call an administrator in there or uh, let's get somebody in there to remove the student and students start learning. Well, if I don't like this particular subject, oh. I'll just, you know, have a behavior issue, then I can get pulled out. So our goal was to try to go in and, and prevent some of those things from happening within the classroom by providing a intervention that uh, teachers can use to decrease those behavior problems. Right. So probably typically without training, somebody might not have some really good tactics for, for that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. So uh, you mentioned before we started the podcast that there, the earlier ages that were the, there's a lot more problem. Yes. Um, so, you know, 
with where my career ended up taking me was as a behavior specialist. So I actually got the opportunity to work with um, four, four districts and most of our, our behavior problems come out of the elementary schools. So um, as, as students get older, uh, you know, like some, they, 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 they tend to kind of mature out of those behavior problems or they've been in a, like a behavior program for several years and they've learned those skills to be able to cope with the problems they have throughout the day. So usually some of our, our major issues are coming from that elementary schools because, you know, the biggest thing is trying to provide those kids with the correct social skills that we're trying to teach replacement behaviors mm-hmm. um, and, and just trying to really get um, good uh, reinforcement plans for those students so that they can learn how to deal with the behaviors or the anger that they're, they're having at that exact moment and use other skills so that they can work through those problems. Um, and usually elementary is, is more of the, 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 high, the, the high behavior problems because kids are not taught those skills at, at the house as much as um, we're trying to um, hit on those skills at school. So it, it's, it, it kind of takes a while. And so most of our problem behavior issues come from the elementary schools. I see. So it sounds like if if you're not having as many in the older schools that that it's it's successful. You're you're making you're making change. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Do is this sort of a um? You know, I I have family like I told you I've got family in Austin. Um, one, my sister is a first grade teacher and stepmom works in, in special ed there. So I've been around the Austin school district a little bit, even though I'm in California. And it seems to me they're pretty far advanced as far as what I see in other parts of the country. So do you, mm-hmm. it, would, would you see program, do you know, are there programs such as this across, you know, countrywide or is this? So uh, from a lot of my followers on my Instagram, they, they tend to reach out and ask, um, you know, about those type of programs. I think, you know, like I know there's, there's a few that do have these programs, um, you know, like there's a few teachers in Wisconsin that are kind of running these type of programs. Mm-hmm. But for the majority, I feel like um, some of my followers that reach out are struggling in this area because what they're telling me is that they don't have these type of programs within their schools and they're struggling on figuring out what kind of solutions that they can provide for these students when um, they don't have these programs available. Right, yeah, I've only seen it in private schools, anything like what you're describing, so um, not in public schools. But it seems like to me that it would be um, a pretty, you'd have a pretty good ROI on it because if you calm down the behavior problems in the classroom, you're not interrupting the other kids, you're, and everyone as a whole is gonna be learning better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and what's funny that you mentioned that you've seen it in private schools. I've actually got the opportunity to work in some of the private schools as well. And those schools are the biggest struggle with not having some of the, the, these programs. And, and we've actually had to take some of the students that 
go into private schools and provide them the services into the public schools. So um, I know there was a, a local uh, private school that they just may not have the services and then, you know, they qualify for special education services and those okay. services will be provided into the public school systems. So it's, it's, it's just one of those things that I feel like um, there might be some states that are really strong on these type of programs. And then there are some states that are struggling with this. Yeah, it would really seem so. Um, so what type of, what, what would be the top behavior problems that you're dealing with? What types of problems? Um, some of the top behavior problems that we tend to deal with in, especially in elementary, um, is, is very like verbal aggressive behaviors or physical aggressive behaviors. Okay. Um, those are, those are some of the extreme. I know I have a lot of followers that reach out and ask about the physical aggressive behaviors because, um, it's happening within their classrooms. Um, my biggest thing that I, I tend to tell people on that is that if physical aggressive behaviors are, are constantly happening within your classroom, the biggest thing is you, you need to get an expert in there. Um, some like a behavior specialist, uh, somebody that maybe a school psychologist that needs to check that out because right, you know, for one thing, it, it's, it's a safety issue for that child alone. Sure. It could be a safety issue for um, the staff involved in there and a safety issue for all the children involved in there. So um, you really have to have a, a, a specialist come in and look at that. And that might, you know, and then that's where we kind of tend to go into more of the self-contained area, because if a kid is having very physically aggressive behaviors, then we're going to have to really do some one-on-one -on -one work to decrease that behavior problem and it might it might not be able to we might not be able to do that within that classroom setting sure. so that's when we you know that's when we start looking at how much behavior support are we using how often is this kid outside the the, the general education classroom because now we're looking at those are direct behavior special education minutes that we're providing that child. And we may end up having to really teach those skills in a smaller setting, if not one-on-one, -on -one, and then slowly start, um, you know, putting that child back into the, the, the regular classroom as the year goes on. So, um, you know, definitely verbal, physical, aggressive behaviors are some of the top um, behaviors that happen in the elementary schools because some of these kids just get really dysregulated and they don't know how to use coping skills on how to, um, you know, come back from those very um, aggressive behaviors. And those are things that we try to teach. Um, I do tell some of the followers that sometimes you got to go to, uh, you know, the outside or uh, there might be some some uh, behavioral hospitals that we got to start sending the kids to because it it could be more of a deeper deeper uh, thing that sometimes you know at the end of the day some of the schools are not trained on how to deal with that problem and mm -hmm. that might need to be more um, dealt with with doctors 
Um, and so that's kind of where we end up trying to uh, intervene on that and start saying, okay, well, we've tried everything that we possibly can within our, the school system, and it's time to go into more of a, um, you know, a, a, a mental health type of uh, facility so that that kid can get the interventions needed to help that child out. Um, so that's kind of where we're at. You know, as, as, I, as the kids get older, some of the biggest issues that you tend to see is kid not going the, to the class or a student not wanting to do the work. Um, my first red flag on any a student that just does not want to do the work is always question where the academic deficits at. Um, okay. You know, that's one of those hard things to do, especially in schools, because if they've always been in a, uh, if they've always been, you know, in these programs, some programs really try to get a, um, you know, really work with the kid to make sure that um, the kid's on par with academics. But sometimes, you know, sometimes with, kids that don't always receive special education services they get they get lost in the the, sure. the whole school system and that's where schools are trying to do the rti which is the response to interventions um and trying to catch or catch the kids that are having these deficits but as the kid gets older and um you know as the work gets harder then kids start getting to the point where they just don't want to do the work so and that's where i always look at is okay maybe it's an academic um deficit that we have right so is that uh in that case is an academic deficit the majority of the cases or usually i mean because, yeah because um you know with behavior um behavior problems comes that academic deficit because that's why in the elementaries like I always tell people that we really need to um, you know provide a lot of type of supports at the elementary schools mm-hmm. and this is just not for our targeted kids this is for everybody um, yeah. you know when we when we talk about having a, a, a really sound RTI system we usually do a, a, a three-tiered RTI system. So you have tier one, tier two, and tier three. And you really need to look at what what kind of interventions are you providing at each tier? So a tier one is going to be more like 80% of your students should be able to do this um, and, and, and get through school. And then you have that tier two where it's starting to get where you're, you're trying to break down some of the programs that you can provide to students so that you're trying to prevent them from entering more of that tier three, which is some of that special education services through behavior supports that we offer. Okay. So, so that's uh, interesting that you mentioned the, not just the behavior problems, but all the kids need to be, um, and that you said later on when, when, when things get more difficult, that's when things may arise. Um, there are two, two situations that I'm familiar with that with um, that are n- not diagnosed early typically the data is showing is one is ADD not ADHD ADHD shows up pretty easily right 
Um, mm. but, but ADD, you know, I know of a lot of kids that they didn't figure it out until college. And because, um, uh, and then the other thing is girls. So we've got data, a lot of data showing that, so we've, we've got a, a, an online dyslexia test and a couple of different learning disabilities tests. And we looked through the data, it was about 40,000 submissions. And what we can see is that um, the boys, the parents were looking at these, the boys, the majority were looking at it at like age eight, nine, you know, and these mm -hmm. were coming out. And the girls, it was 16, 18, 21 that, you know, so obviously it's, I'm sure it's not arising in girls at the point. I think that it's probably they're um, emotionally more intelligent and therefore easier to hide these things. So yeah. is that something that you would kind of look more closely at or? I, I would I would definitely kind of look at that too. Um, you know, the one thing that I know in the state of Texas is that dyslexia, I believe maybe, I, I want to say about two years ago, or it might have been last year, is that 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 umbrella just started falling under the special education services right, um, right and i know yeah. in other states it wasn't though um so that's that 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 becomes big time on that end and sometimes a lot of that doesn't get caught or they don't catch that until these kids really start struggling i know yeah. one of the biggest things is that rti system and I think right now, since um, from my understanding, is since I, I don't know if you've heard, but Texas, there was I think there was some kind of um, suit on on um, Texas capping the rate on students entering special education services. Okay. They were saying something it was like eight percent. So there was people were getting upset on that and saying. How can you say it's eight percent? Where's this number coming from? You know, um, anybody can possibly have these kind of deficits that should be receiving special education services. So now it became an open rate, and that means like um, parents can refer students into special education if they're thinking that um, there are problems. And so what what we ended up having last year was that we had a high um, rate of students um, needing to be tested for special education services. So that's when we have the school psychologists or the, um, the, the DIAGs come in and do assessments to see where their deficits are. And then us as a behavior specialist, we had to go in and, and do the behavior side of the, the, the assessment as well. Um, but what what was frustrating is the lack of RTIs um, interventions being done within the school system. So some schools had good RTIs programs and some schools did not have good RTI programs. So when these schools don't have these really sound RTI, which is the response to intervention programs, that's where these kids start getting gaps and now i think what's happening is is the federal the feds are coming in and saying that these schools really need to have these um really good rti programs 
so that we can catch these students before they get into, um, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth, or even outside of the school system. And I think that's where you're probably starting to see that some of these kids are not getting or not knowing about this until later on as they get into the higher grades or almost out of out of or into college is because most schools struggle with having any kind of um, you know response to intervention systems provided right. so that that's being changed a lot um, now um, I know that you know we have these times during the day where it's structured in there that we have 30 to 45 minutes of each you know these kids are going into a smaller um, smaller group setting to really hit on those deficits so that teachers are are trying to improve those skills right and you're you're seeing that among some schools in your area and not some schools in your area yes so, so it's yes. even spotty within what I've seen to be some of the most forward-thinking schools in the country. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So um, my, my guess is, is there's not much of this implemented countrywide at all then. Probably not. I mean, and then, it's... Yeah, if you guys are just getting the, the schools that need it there, yeah. um, what, what, how do you see it being implemented there? Is it, is it going to happen quickly or... Is it at, at, in our schools? It, it's it's definitely happening quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of those things that you know we've always talked about. Is yeah, it, like I always say, the uh, the heart of a school district or a school system is your RTI. I mean, you're every year you're going to have behavior problems. Every year you're going to have academic deficit problems. Every year you you may even it depends on what state you're in. I, I feel like you're going to have, uh, you know, language uh, deficits due to students coming in that don't know the English language. Um, so those are some of the top areas that you're going to have problems. And as a school system or working or somebody that works in a school system, it's like those are the three main focuses that, in my opinion, we need to look at and know about, like, every year those are going to happen and what are our programs that we're going to be providing so that we can teach these kids the skills that they need to um you know close those gaps on those deficits yeah what about the, the so the kid you're talking about all spectrums of this and it's interesting you're talking about the kids you know it seems like more in the middle of the spectrum they might be the ones that fall through the cracks is that mm-hmm yeah, you know, if they've got if they're a big behavior problem, you're gonna you're gonna snatch them up and work with them. But it's the ones that, it, yes, it's the ones that um, don't tend to be a major behavior problem, or the ones that you know tend to they're they're passing their classes, and it's not you know a major academic deficit for them. So it's you know the biggest thing is it's it's what we're hitting on is the, like you said, you know, the ones that are, are showing us all the red flags, having the major behavior issues or mm -hmm. having the major academic deficit issues. And those are the ones that we're, 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 you know, focusing on as, as much as we can. Right. So it's, uh, 
yet these ones in the middle are going longer and probably probably causing even more emotional struggle with them and and loss of self-esteem yes self-confidence um i see that and i just you know talking more so i see in that in talking to adults looking back on on their history in school and realizing that how their behaviors changed you know even in uh one talking about like who he hung out with you know he was a really bright guy and really athletic yet he tended to hang out with more of the troublemakers the ones who were you know smoking in the smoking cigarettes or whatever else and uh, on school time and because they didn't ask the questions they he felt more hidden i think yeah more hidden away among yeah. those peer groups and and so what i i noticed what um is starting to happen now is because um a lot of from what what we're looking at is a lot of the um uh, you know outside where the the jobs the 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 businesses they're noticing a lot of this stuff and they're noticing that some 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 coworkers or, or employees don't really know how to handle that type of stuff. And so what they're asking is, are these skills being taught in the schools? Um, and I know at, at the middle school now, we at sixth grade, we have a success class being taught and we're providing the team leadership classes that are being taught. And it's teaching these skills of kids uh, to these, it's teaching kids these skills that they can use that um, when they enter that that job world, um, right. that those are the skills that they're trying to to hone on. Um, because I don't think a lot of that was being taught. I know when I went to school, none of that was being taught. No. I mean, we never got to go into a, a, a leadership class or anything, learning about success and and learning no. about you know not hanging out with um some of the bad bad influences in your life and you know you are who you hang out with so <laughs> uh, that that is definitely uh, right right big time right now that i'm starting to see it's it's a lot of the career technology courses that are coming in um because i think right now you know I, like when i went to school everything was college 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 you know that's all they ever did was say you, you got to go to college now they're looking at more okay yes college is an option but there are trade schools and some of these trade schools are actually paying more than uh, once you get into that job they're, they're you're actually getting paid more than some of these jobs that people have college degrees in yeah. so a lot, of, um, a lot of college degrees you can't get a job with so that too exactly seeing a lot of that um yeah. but that's really good news i mean the things that are not taught in school or have not traditionally been taught in school are some of the most important things in life yeah success skills money management things like you know uh, and, and and that's it and and that's that i mean i like that's some of the skills when i even when I got out of college, I, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I, I, I didn't even know how to write out a check. And I had yeah. to go to my, my mom and ask, I was 23 years old and said, I don't know how to even write a check out. We yeah. I never learned that skill. And, right. 
And and now that's what the schools are kind of hitting hard on as these kids get uh, in in more of the middle school is because now we're really looking at their transition goals. You know, what are these kids going to be looking at um, outside of um, outside of the school? Are they going to college? Are they, you know, can we provide some some programs to get these kids to to know that there's other things out there that they can go into? Um, and, and so that's being hit pretty hard that I'm seeing in the state of Texas right now. Yeah, well, Texas leads the way as far as I've seen. So that's that's fantastic, really is. Um, so let's talk about, you know, behavior issues come up around like homework time with parents is one of their biggest struggles. Um, let's kind of go into that. Now I know, you know, parents are always doing their best. Mm -hmm. not, not all of them have the skills, the skill set to help um, kids navigate some of this. And we talked about, you mentioned that if there's there's behavior problems in school that that is there may be uh, an academic problem going on and that, and that academic problem may be hidden or not noticing it too much right and i see the same thing with with parents um as a matter of fact our data sh is showing that the kids are, are in a pretty bad emotional states before it's even recognized so i know you um as a kid i i've heard you mention that you're the way your homework time was dealt with was probably not ideal. Is that no, definitely, definitely okay. not ideal. All right. <laughs> um, uh, you know, and what's funny about this is, is I, I was the type of kid that I I I made it through. I I, I had decent grades. I was never a straight A student. Um, you know, I, I got into the the whole. Um, behavior specialist world and hanging out with a lot of school psychologists, I still struggle with, I still struggle with spelling and mm -hmm. they, they swear my, my coworkers swear to this day that they think I'm dyslexic. And so that was really never tested back sure. in my day. And right. so, you know, math was a big struggle for me. Reading was a big struggle for me, but my little brother, it, he got it. I mean, he, he understood it and he, he, it was no problem for him. And just going through homework, all what happened was, you know, why is your brother, how come your little brother can do this and y'all can't? It was just a power struggle the entire time. And homework for me was not a fun time. Um, mm -hmm. I always remember it was just one of those things that I dreaded. Um, my mom would always get frustrated with me start yelling at me and it, and looking back on it it was you know, I, it wasn't abusive type of behavior it was just her frustration of but your interpretation no matter whether it was abusive or not your interpretation of it, it exactly at, at that age yeah it was just it, i didn't like it you know i i didn't like it and 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 you know with that my mom wasn't trained in how to become you know teach homework to, to kids so that wasn't her area but looking at it you know from uh from where i'm at now at that homework time you know my biggest thing with homework is you got to know that the big one thing that parents should know is that homework should never be a new skill being taught to kids right um, 
you know, homework is definitely one of those things that it should be a skill that's already known and they're just practicing that skill. Um, and, and sometimes teachers don't always go down that route. Um, and, and that would be my first question is that if I knew one of the kids was like struggling with homework, I would be like, okay, do you know the skill? I mean, why are we, why are we doing homework on a new skill? Because, you know, when a new skill is being taught for parents, I can see some of the homework being a little bit easier at, uh, at the elementary, especially like in math or something like that. But as that student gets older, um, you know, and I struggle with this, trying to help kids out in the schools with like algebra, uh, some of those skills I don't even, yeah. I, I, I forgot about. So um, with any kind of homework, that skill should already be there. So the, okay. the student shouldn't be struggling as much in that area. Um, so that's one of the one major things that as a parent, I would be like, okay, um, if the, the student is struggling, then obviously the student, my, my student has not learned this, um, this new skill yet. They're still in the, the uh, practicing mode and they need some kind of support to get them through that, like a teacher support. So either, so, so either the teacher it shouldn't be sending home or somehow it just got missed. They didn't pick it up in class. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so either cause. Do you have a smart child who is struggling in school? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you feel like the struggle is holding your child back from their true potential? Maybe the anxiety and worry over your child's future just beats you down every day. You don't have to live that way. Learn how to stop a learning disability from becoming a life disability. A child with a learning disability is stressful for the child and the parent. The disability may be eroding their confidence and shattering their self-esteem. Other people may perceive your child as unintelligent and antisocial. If not addressed and fixed early, the child may develop permanent challenges later in life when looking for a good job or meeting a potential spouse. Our current school system does not know how to properly help our children, but at Learning Success, we do. We've created a system you can easily do at home with your child, and with just 15 minutes per day after school with your child, you can save them from a life of struggle and heartbreak. Learn how to unleash your child's potential and embrace their true intelligence. As a special gift for being a loyal podcast listener, we're going to give you a free trial of the Learning Success System. Try it out absolutely free for 15 days. If it is not the perfect fit to help your child succeed in school and in life, just cancel before the trial ends and pay nothing. You even get to keep the free bonuses. Go to www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast to get your free trial now. You'll be so happy you did once you see the great grades your child is capable of getting. 
Imagine being so proud of your child when they bring home a great report card and hand it over with a beaming smile. Get your free trial now at www.learningsuccesssystem.com forward slash podcast. You've got nothing to lose except the stress and anxiety that is holding you and your child down. I'll see you there. Interesting. So let's, um, the behaviors, what, uh, when a kid, you know, kids have lots of different behaviors when that situation is going on, right? What, what would be typical behaviors? What I'm looking at is like, what, what are the behaviors that parents might miss that, that it's actually an academic problem? Um, I would say refusal, complete refusal to do that. Um, okay. the kid just not, I mean, throws a huge, huge fit, um, that, that is like, and you can't, you've, you've literally sat down with the student and, um, you know, tried your, your best to get that student to do that work. And it is just a, a fit that you typically don't see as much as at the house. Um, you know, that's where I would start raising some red flags at as, okay. If the behavior is different around the homework or whatever exactly. than it is typically you're saying. Yes. But if it's, if that behavior is everywhere, then it's just a behavior problem. It could be a behavior problem. Um, and that, that could be, that, that would definitely be something that would have to be um, analyzed sure. um, throughout the entire, you know, environment that students in. Um, but I would definitely say if, if that, that be, if, if you start seeing a, a behavior out of your child that you typically don't see, um, I would start looking at a, a, at the concern of, okay, is this a, is this, is this, this, is my student actually learned this behavior? I mean, has my student learned this academic, um, you know, academic assignment or are we, are we still trying to learn a new skill? Um, and that's, you know, as a parent that if you may be able to teach that skill um, to the stu- your student, then it might be a different story. But sometimes, sometimes these kids are bringing home homework that the parent may not know how to sure. do. Sure. So, you know, it, it's definitely one of those things that um, as a teacher, I would not want to send any kind of, student homework uh that that they've not learned yet because you know over the years i've seen math being done so many different ways i mean they've yeah right 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 so it's it's uh i would i mean how you teach you and i teach math to a, a kid would be totally different from a math teacher teaching math to a to a kid um, so, but that, that would be my first red flag is the behavior. I so mean, isn't that struggle every night? You so, know? but it wouldn't necessarily be like acting out in tantrums, but like any unusual behavior that around that time. Yes. Around, around that time. Avoidance. Um, uh, you know, a kid maybe saying, I don't have homework today. Um, or I don't have homework ever. 
Um, that would be another thing that I would probably get with the teacher and say, you That's know, a red flag right there, right? Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, and then, you know, what we see, especially at the house, or I mean, at the school is, you know, kids not really um, taking their, their, usually what most teachers have is like a, uh, a behavior folder or some kind of daily folder that uh, goes to the home to the to the school and just kind of gives uh, parents how well they did during the school day um, if there's any homework like that um, so you know definitely I would say know the fact that your kids are probably going to have homework and as a parent I would be contacting the teacher or um, really you know, get to know your kids, um, you know, daily school schedule of what they're expected to do Mm -hmm. uh, so that they, because the other thing is, is you don't want to reinforce those behaviors. Like if you just kind of say, okay, well, you don't have homework today. Okay. Then they know that they can just kind of say that and they'll get out of it. That worked. Yeah. yeah. So um, those are things that you definitely don't want to reinforce. Right. And I've seen I've seen a lot of parents talking about kids getting sick, headaches, even throwing up, things like that around it. Yeah. So. Um, and, I, you know, if that's the case. I mean, it's it's emotional. It's emotional. Then I would question the fact, OK, if my student is doing this at home, how is my student acting at school during this time? Right. Because. Right. Um, you know, because that, that could be something that they've learned, you know, if they are, are doing that type of behavior at the school and getting out of certain things, then they're learning that behavior, um, where they can take that into the home life and say, well, I throw, I can cry and throw a fit and scream at school and then get out of certain things and do the same thing at the house. So, um, I would, would those, say that, would those match usually? It should. Yeah, I mean, they should. Um, yeah. Because, you know, that's some kids can go through different classes, um, have no problem. And then when they get to maybe a math or a reading class, it's the behavior problems occur. And, and most of it is escape type of behavior. They're they're doing those to escape out of uh, that assignment or that class. And those are really um, where you have to go in and and provide interventions um if it's just a behavior if it's just a behavior and you know it's a it's just a behavior and it's not an academic deficit then that's when you you, you're gonna have to probably break down that assignment um you know what we like to do is we we call it a we we tend to do a reinforcement survey with the student um and try to figure out what are things that motivate them um, and that's where you end up trying to break that work down and they can earn certain activities. But you're going to, you're going to go, you're going to figure that out ahead of time. What what their bigger motivations are. Yes. Yes. So, so the kids, if you're not, if you're just, you know, two bulls head to head, the kid's going to win this, I'm assuming. right? Oh, kids, kids going to win hands down. Um, (laughs) You don't have a chance. (laughs) You don't have a chance. What's going to happen is, you're going to go into a power struggle and, you know, the one thing with it is, you know, I I teach, I teach uh, the 
teachers how to de-escalate behavior problems. Okay. And then, you know, we it's a program that we do for the school districts that um, in case it's a crisis intervention um, class where if things get really physically out of hand, you know, we teach how to properly de-escalate a student or if um, they start attacking you, we teach mm-hmm. ways to kind of, um, you know, get out of the way or if you have to do some kind of containment on the student, we teach proper ways on how to do that. But the very first thing that we're Physically. teaching is, is the, the verbal de-escalation. And okay. one thing we always tell people is that, you know, if you got to be in charge of, you got to know that you are in charge of de-escalating that, that problem. Mm-hmm. So if you, if your kid gets loud and then you get loud, you're just going to escalate sure. that, that, that behavior because the kid is actually going to start mirroring your behaviors. Yep. So you just got to kind of use a calmer voice and you got to, the biggest thing is to have a lot of patience during that and really get that kid back into that, uh, that de-escalated state of mind. Because the other thing with it is this, is, is we, we talk about the fight or flight um, side of the brain is that when, when that kid automatically goes into that behavior where it's just escalated, then they're not using their, their, their front part of their brain and that's the part of the brain that needs to be used to figure out the problems or how to solve problems so mm-hmm. that they're in their backside of their brain, either they're fighting you or they're running away from you, then you're trying to get them to do that work at that direct moment, you're wasting your time. You, right. that, you know, we're, we're the, the student's not even in the um, right part of the thinking process to get that work done. Right. So. So when you're doing, so you're teaching, you're, you're tell, uh, talking to teachers about remaining calm, about bringing their voice down, that sort of thing. That makes mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of sense. Um, so does posture, posture in that, uh, you know, I've been I've been teaching kung fu for 25 years, so de-escalation is, is pretty something. I'm, I, and, and I've seen fight situations with men attackers come you know, on me or other guys, or whatever, and just having the right posture and and because having the confidence that if it does go down you can handle it changes everything because then if it does it does and you're you know you're safe but that really strongly gives you that ability to de-escalate and i've seen situations where like it just looked like this guy was there's no way he's not coming and you're just talking cool to him and Mm -hmm. and it just it just goes away you know exactly i've had i've had a guy say like man i don't know what came over me i don't know why i was acting like that and just stopped you know and just (laughs) walked away exactly yeah it's it it does it bring in and so and that has a lot to do with mirror neurons you know our mental state and Mm -hmm. we're projecting that out and they can pick up that as long as we can hold that mental state strongly exactly right without being reactive to it um i've also i train i've had uh, a number of my students teachers and and in high school situations where it's pretty rough high school there's a lot of gang activity and culturally 
it's pretty cool to to attack a teacher. So, uh, mm-hmm. so it it goes on. I know it's there's there's some violence down, down there. So and and I'll tell you my um the one teacher that I have is that is a black belt. She's she tell, brings stories to me all the time about de-escalating and how how bad it has been and how just through staying calm, mm-hmm. just through holding state. So. Um, going back to the, the homework, um, and you said your experiences, just to help parents out, like, if you wouldn't mind explaining how, how, would, how did it feel emotionally when your parent, I mean, I know you said you wanted to get away. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, you, you feel, you feel like, I mean, you feel dumb, you, you feel, right. you feel like you're, especially when you know, your, your parent is comparing you to your little brother and how your little brother, um, you know, basically is smarter than you. It makes you feel like you don't know anything and it, 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 it beats you down. And, and it's to the point where, like I always say, you can't motivate, like you can't, uh, you can't punish, like you can't you use motivation as a way to punish somebody nobody's ever gonna be you're never gonna be able to punish somebody into getting them motivated to do something so it's it's one of those things that you got to meet them where they're at and understand okay maybe uh my kid is really having problems at um this assignment where is it that we are having these problems and as a parent, you you may not know exactly, but that's where you have the teacher. I mean, you you know you can have those parent-teacher conferences. You can come in and, and you can talk to the teacher on telling the teacher, I'm really struggling at trying to get him or her to do this assignment at night. What are some tools that you're using here at school that's helping um, that's that's helping you get my child? to get through this this lesson or this subject and you know those teachers are going to tell you um that's a good point because you do see i see you know this a lot of times being adversarial teach parents blaming teachers and teachers blaming parents and that sort of thing and so um i think it's pretty obvious what you're saying is is trying to figure out how to work together is is the answer there right yes yes um and and that's where you don't want to get to the point uh because i've I've seen that too it's it's where parents get upset at every little thing that the school's doing even if the school's trying their best um you know again as a as a educator working in the school systems i i really advise parents to to talk to your teachers you know um you know you you are part of the team that is helping your kid be successful at school to eventually get your kid through school to have a, uh, you know, graduate and have a diploma. So, I mean, even if your student's not receiving special education support and you're required to go to a ARD meeting once a year or how many times that ARD meeting is gonna occur, you're still part of that team to get your kid to be successful. So, um, you know, the biggest thing, and, and schools are always trying to do this, especially in, in some of the Title I low economic schools, 
is trying to get that parent involvement. That parent involvement within that school is very important because um, when parents don't show up to things, um, it, 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 it tells the schools that, okay, what's really going on at the house? Um, you know, how, how important is education to, to the parents? So I, I can tell you from a school perspective is that schools are always trying to get parent involvement um, happening. Mm-hmm. So the more parent involvement, the better. Um, and so that, you know, there are things that you can work with at the, at the home as well as school. So kids are getting that, you know, like a, what I like to call is that, that 360 support um, that it's happening at home and school. So, right. yeah, parents typically have more influence over their children than anyone else in their child's world, right? So exactly, exactly, right. So you you mentioned about um, parents reinforcing bad behavior in unintentionally. Um, anything else inadvertently that parents maybe do that? Uh, the the one biggest thing that I I like to you know, come up, well, I did mention this, well, not on here, but I did write it was, you know, don't use maybe wait till your dad gets home or wait till your mom gets home because what you're, and this is what we teach teachers this is because usually what happens is a teacher will be like, oh, well, I'm going to call the principal down here. And what you really are doing is you're giving that person the power and so you're, you're saying that there's this ultimate punisher that is more powerful than you and, and you're actually giving away your power at that okay. end. And so as a parent, you should never like say, wait till your dad gets home or wait till your mom gets home. You know, I would say as a parent, you, you both need to be on that same page and, and whatever, consequence you're delivering should be equal from both parents like mm-hmm. you're, you're, your kid should you know and then on top of that is you're scaring your kid to say maybe your your dad or your mom is more mean than you are <laughs> and it just, it just doesn't make any sense so um i i, I definitely never like that as as a as a, a way to threaten your kid um, even, you know, even as teachers, we, we try not to do that. I mean, you know, principals will tell them all the time, like, you know, you are the person that is building that relationship with that kid during that time. And you are the most influenced person within that time of that, of where, where that kid's learning that. So, um, you know, I always look at why do I need to call in a principal? to, to yeah. deal with these behavior issues. Um, you know, I, I would say as long as it's not a, a major safety issue, don't use those threats like trying to get somebody else to, to, to do that. Um, because it, after a while, it's like, okay, well, if dad comes home or mom comes home and she doesn't do or he doesn't do anything to me, then that becomes a hollow threat. And you, you've, you it, it's not very effective at that time. So... Um, it, that's, that's one big piece that I would highly recommend parents not use, um, on, on, on your student. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, I mean, that makes perfect sense. 
I'm thinking back to, you know, um, it, I don't know if this is good or bad, but my, I, you know, at running a, a, a Kung Fu school for 20 years, I had the, a lot of the, the, the kids in my class during the day and the teachers were my students as well, like I mentioned. And I, there were a lot of instances where teachers would have a problem in the classroom and they'll say, I'll tell Shenjifu. That's, that's my title. That's what they call me. Yeah. <laughs> and man, those kids just snapped up. And I was never mean to them. I was never, they just, they valued that relationship and they yeah. were, they really want to. Uh, so I don't know, just thinking of back, back, back that, that I, I don't know if they, that was probably well, not, not a good thing they were doing, but. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, what, what they learned is that, okay, well, you know, when, when dad gets home or mom gets home, I'll act right. But when you're here, I can get away with things. You're a pushover. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, right. um, you know, that's one of the things that we always tell teachers, don't always threaten to, to call principal because at the end of the day, you know, uh, principal is going to talk to them and then um, they may learn uh, different behaviors. Well, okay, well, you know, the principal comes down here and talks to me and, and, and we have a long chat and, basically he gives me a lollipop at the end of the at the end of the chat and then i go back into class and so mm -hmm. what what ends up happening is is the principal may end up establishing a better relationship with that student uh, yeah and then all of a sudden the, the the student wants to go to the principal's office all the time right so that's a that's one uh big one that i would say parents should not get in the habit of of actually yeah. doing so, yeah, I did I'd have a school, a friend that was a school principal, um, just had an amazing, uh, an amazing relationship with the kids, but I can see how that interplay could be a problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, so we talked about the, the uh, inadvertent problems that parents, and what about what are the more positive things like um, for, for getting homework done? Um, I would definitely look at, uh, you know, definitely what, what does your kids like to do at the house? I mean, um, there are things that kids like, you know, screen time, iPad time, uh, you know, a, a lot of the times I see little kids that they, they go to, they're on this set schedule of going to, um, you know, going to bed early um, and they may want to earn some time, extra time to stay up. And it's just one of those things that, uh, like what we do is we provide like a reinforcement survey. And so I would say, you know, you are the expert of your kid, you know what your kid likes. So right. is there any, um, is there anything on that end um, that sure. you can provide that so, may be more motivating for that student to get that work done? So figure out where the carrots are <laughs> and use carrots. Huh? Exactly. And, you know, the other thing with it is, you may you may need to break down the, the the work a little bit. You may need to you know section it off and 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 go from there, um, so that it might not be a a uh, a paper that looks so long um, to the student. Okay, so, that's a good idea. And then there's some things that make it fun, make a game out of it. I think huh. I, I think you know my biggest thing is I know with kids, little kids. They like your attention. They like adult attention. And I think 
where some of us go wrong is that it's like, okay, get your homework done. And this kind of gives me some time to, to myself. Um, so if you can do your homework, I get some time to myself. But wow. what that kid ends up doing is he wants to be around, he or she wants to be around you. So, you know, I always look at it as, as a kid will, will always enjoy you sitting down and, you know, interacting with them. So you can make it a fun game if it's math. Um, you can get shaving cream out or you can, you can, you know, you know, draw numbers in the sand. There's, there's all sorts of different things that you can do to make that, that homework fun. Um, you just got to kind of be creative about it. Um, and, and if you can bring out your creative side and look at that homework and, and try to make it a game, I think you're, you're going to have your kids, um, enjoy that homework time a lot more. And then on top of that is, you know, look at homework time as interaction with your kid, um, building more of a relationship with your kid. Boy, that um, changes everything right there. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's like um, don't always look at homework as as a, a time of, well, it's just it's a boring time or it, it's just work for the kid. But, you know, that's the time where, you know, I would say if if, yeah, they're doing they're doing uh, homework, but that's also a time where you can probably build in more lessons of teaching your kid other things um, and, and really building that relationship with your kid and, and being positive during that time so that your kid really feels comfortable uh, talking to you. And, 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 and um, when your kid has problems um, where your kid feels comfortable coming to you with problems, because he or she knows at that time that you're helping them out with their problems so that um, if there's something in the future, they know that, hey, mom or dad can, is, is the person that I could talk to about these issues. That's fantastic, great. What do you think, how do you think uh, expectations uh, play a role? I know that there's been a lot of studies about like teachers' expectations of students, and you mentioned like, uh, some of the Title One, if they don't have parental involvement, does uh, the fact that the teacher knows that kind of cause more problems, or, or do they are they trained to to not? Or, what do you think? Just in general, expectations. So we we always teach um, teachers, especially in classroom management, that you need to have expectations. You need to teach your kids expectations. Um, you know, one of the biggest things at our middle school this year was they shut down the school for the day that they, you know, they had eight periods of classes that they went to, but they basically shut down um, the whole day and had the teacher, their second period teacher, which they, which they called it, kind of called homeroom teacher, mm -hmm. go through the, all the school expectations. You, um, the, the teacher walked them through, um, you know, uh, the hallways, everything, just so that the kid knows what the expectations are, are, are of each area of the school. I think expectations are, are huge. Um, you know, it, it's like, I, you know, it's like this, this, this summer I went to Disney World and one of the biggest things that I looked at Disney World was um, you have these massive lines of kids and parents waiting in lines but 
there's expectations everywhere. You know, um, there there's there's activities within those lines that kids can play with certain things to keep them um, from from getting distracted that this, that they didn't want to stand there too long. So, you know, when I always talk about expectations to teachers, I look at expectations as think of think of your classroom as a highway. You know, if you didn't have any expectations on that highway, how would you know how to properly drive on that highway? I think we we'd have massive wrecks, or people would would um, there'd be all sorts of problems. So always look at um, expectations as a a a way to um, structure your environment. So. Okay, by setting expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, um, you know, what about the teacher's own expectations? If they think, oh, this kid is unintelligent or intelligent, I mean, are those things that they, uh, about their yeah. own? Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing with teachers is uh, a lot of times it's like teachers will, will kind of complain, well, this, this, this kid's in the sixth grade or this kid's in the seventh or eighth or whatever grade they're in that they should know these expectations. Yeah. The thing with it is this, is that, and I always look at this is they don't know your expectations. They don't know your expectations within your environment that you have created and set up for that student. Uh-huh. So you have to teach those expectations. Don't right. assume that they know those expectations. Right. Um, you know, it's like if, if, um, if I went into the movie theater for the very first time ever, um, you know, could I play with my phone during that, that, that theater time? There's expectations that come on that big screen that say, you know, no phones during this time. So right. any environment that these students go into, whether that's a new environment or an old environment, you may have to reteach those expectations or you, you need to teach the expectations within the environment that you set up for that, that student. Gotcha. So uh, we've talked uh, about, you know, these avoidance strategies. So the opposite of that, teaching kids accountability. You got any strategies for them wanting to solve? Um, so, um, and that's, that's, that, that becomes a, a big struggle. I mean, you're not going to teach accountability overnight. It's not going to be done um, within a day or so. Um, one of the biggest things that I'm trying to, implement right now especially in the middle schools is teaching accountability because they have a daily behavior report card and it's kind of like a a personal contract of what they need to take care of throughout the day Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like a schedule you know how you and i will write down the schedule and say that you know like nine o'clock i need to get this or 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 i need to get this done by this time and, and stuff like that those are things that you have to teach that student, but um, you also have to reinforce that. Um, you know, if, if a kid doesn't find that, that schedule or, or whatever um, reinforcing, then, um, you know, they're, they're just not gonna do it. So when you're teaching accountability, you, you, gotta, you gotta provide some kind of reinforcements in there. If, if they need to get certain things done um, you know, set that schedule 
And it, it's, it's kind of like teaching them um, when we're doing our job, we get things done and we get, you know, we, uh, we get paid to do our job. So always look at it as like, as even with parents is start teaching those skills, mm-hmm. um, you know, teach those skills at a young age. Um, you know, I, the other thing with it is, is, is like when a student can, can talk or your kid can talk, um, when you go to a restaurant, let him, let him or her be accountable enough to order off the menu and talk to, talk to the, the waitress or the waiter so that they're actually starting to build those steps towards being accountable. Uh-huh. Um, so that, you know, like, I think a lot of times us as adults, we get really impatient with kids and we want things done faster and we end up, you know, taking over and, and maybe ordering things for them or, or doing things for them that that kid or your student already has the skill set to, to, to be able to do. And we're actually, in my opinion, robbing them from that accountability. That's kind of like doing their homework, right? You're, it, they're uh, allowing them to practice their skill set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The intent, right? Yeah. So, so learning, learning versus training. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good. And so basically, none of this is one and done, right? You don't. No. There, <laughs> like, like, like we say in in our office, there's no magical wand that is going to uh, cure everything. So, uh-huh. um, you know, it's. It's one of those things that it's going to take time um, and, and, you know, a lot of patience and just, you know, um, know at the end that your kid will um, overcome these deficits as long as you continue to, you know, teach those skills and be patient with your kid um, and, and really um, work with your kid and build that relationship, you know, that's it, 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 it goes back to building relationships, you know, just because that's your kid doesn't mean that you already have that relationship built, you know, like Good point. doesn't come uh, naturally, huh? It just, no, they no. come out of the womb and you got the, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. 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 So. Very cool. So what you just said there about if if you keep at it, mm-hmm. if you keep, and, and you're a Texan. I know Texans are about hard work and all that. So, <laughs> no, that's good. This is good. I believe in it. But but I know but I know Texans, right? Yeah, I've been down yeah. there. <laughs> um, so, not to stereotype, but no, it's all good. <laughs> it's it's yeah. But uh, but you said keep at it, right? And it'll they'll they'll get through it. They'll get through it. Um, and 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 your kid will appreciate in the end, uh, how much time and effort you put into it. Um, right, you know, as, right. as you start giving up and quitting on your kid, all you're doing is modeling those type of behaviors. You know, it's, yep. Uh, yep. And, and that's not what you want to do. You know, uh, the biggest thing is you always want to go at and teach your kids that, you know, you're going to run into problems in life and that there is, all, for every problem you come across, there's a solution. And that solution's not always going to be an easy solution. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 solution may may um, cause you to work and, and and do a whole lot of things that you don't want to do. But in the end, you're going to have to do those 
to get the outcome of what you de most desire. So. Right. so you're teaching grit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, you know, grits, grits known to be one of the biggest predictors of success in life. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And so that's not one and done either though. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Josh, this has been awesome. Um, I think you've given a lot of good, good advice for parents. Um, it's not easy, right? It's not definitely not not easy, but you can do it. You can get through it. Mm -hmm. Anything else that we've missed that we haven't touched on that parents need to know? Um, behavior. I, I, one, one big thing that I would say before we end is, um, you know, set, set the daily schedule. Um, okay. Just yeah. Be, just because, just because your, your, your kids in summertime and, and there's no homework or anything like that, uh, doesn't mean that you as a parent, um, can't, you know, practice reading skills with them. Um, right. you know, set a time where, where it's like, Hey, you know, this is time that we're reading. And, and also if, if it's reading or something like that model that you, it's reading time, don't go in there and watch TV while they need to be reading, you know, shut it down. And Hey, this is, this is family homework time right now. Um, you know, and, and this is scheduled out through, throughout every day. I mean, I'm not saying don't do or do it on the weekends, but, um, you know, so really model that to your kids. Modeling, um, modeling and consistency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that would be the, my last one on, on, uh, what parents can do. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I've heard that from a lot of, uh, people who I consider to be really successful and, and knowledgeable about parenting that modeling is, is, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious, you know, they're going to, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, <laughs> key. it's um, a key. I mean, it, I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been in, you know, pre-K classes and, and kids, uh, you know, the kids will, will say certain cuss words and they don't know what the cuss word is, but it's like, you know, where they're getting it at. Right. I mean, so it's, it's kids, kids will, you know, kids are all, always watching um, the adults and they're learning from the adults. Sure, so sure. Um, just know that, you know, you are their, their main model of, or their main source of how they're going to be, um, interact in the environment. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of those things that you got to keep in mind when you're working with, with kids. So constantly working on your own improvement. Mm -hmm. I know none of us, uh, are none of us that I know of are perfect yet. So no. And, and, and that's the thing, you know, um, uh, especially in just, you know, reading other, uh, reading into other things of success and, and, and into those type of um, areas is, is always trying to better yourself. You know, sometimes we think, well, we already have an education. We, we can stop learning. And that's, no, it, no. It, it, it's one of those things that you're doing yourself a disservice. Sure. So. Yeah. Life, lifelong learners have been shown to be the most successful in life. So mm -hmm. absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, and um, people want to get more information from you. I know you've got your website. I have a website at hardcorebehaviors.com. Um, I'm also doing some podcasting. Um, and uh, my biggest thing is trying to interview teachers and specialists 
throughout the throughout the, the world actually um, I'm also trying to get uh, educators and, and specialists uh, to send me some of their their blogs so I can post them on the website mm-hmm. um, I have an Instagram account at hardcore behaviors where um, I'll, I'm constantly posting things on that as well so um, right now you know um, one of my biggest goals that I'm trying to do is try to interview as many teachers or any, as many specialists out there to help um uh teachers and 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 if parents can listen in on it i mean this is going to give you all an insight of how our world operates in the education field right so, right um, but yes that's where they can they can follow me at is um instagram is at hardcore behaviors and then my website is uh hardcorebehaviors.com Right. And, uh, and we are the the podcast is actually classroom uh, success one hundred one. Good. Okay, we'll put links to all those in in the description here. So it okay. sounds like like you're really getting uh, trying to trying to aggregate the the behavior a behavior movement in a way, huh? That's exactly what I'm trying to do. <laughs> Fantastic. So. Well, I w- wish you a lot of success in that. It's uh, you're doing good things in the world. That's fantastic. I appreciate that. And uh, thank you for your time and inviting me on your, your show today. All right. Thank you, Josh. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to the Learning Success Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We also hope you have learned something useful, something that you can take back and improve your life with today. If you would like to say thank you, the best way for you to do that is to share this podcast with a friend. Help us help others along this journey. And if you haven't already, please rate and comment on the podcast. Every rating helps us and helps this podcast get out to more people. We appreciate it and we appreciate you. Thank you again and make today a great day. No one should have to live with a learning difficulty.